Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 518 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, back from the road, joined as always from Wisconsin, Ben Funky Askren and Daniel Roy Lobdell Jr., aka the Wrestling Nomad. And, uh, Kind of a different start to the show today, as I mentioned yesterday on, on Twitter. Uh, I was gonna get, uh, I was gonna outline some of the the reasons I'm really proud to work at Flow Wrestling and and the specific things that I think we do here that help grow the sport. Um, and, and obviously the, or maybe not obviously, Ben Ben was unaware of this until I told him this morning. But the pre- precipitant to this was was an article written about Flow Wrestling that was critical that we didn't cover an event the way they wanted us to cover an event and and while the article was largely negative towards us i'm actually appreciative of it because it's a reminder that we could be more proactive in outlining our contributions and our overall mission and how our business works to help wrestling so you know for us as the content team our main charge from a wrestling content standpoint is simple make stuff fans love that is our goal. That's the thing we're trying to do. So we get in the, in the room and we brainstorm about the, the cool video we can make or the next flow film or the article Nomad's going to write or the great event we're going to put on. And, and so never does it come up, hey, we should talk about the things we do at Flow Wrestling that are good for wrestling, right? That's never something that comes up. Right. Never. Uh, it, we're, we're not a group that's looking to pat ourselves on the back. So we don't talk about this, this kind of stuff much at all. And maybe that's I, to me, that's good because I like our focus. Right. I like where our focus is. But, you know, maybe, you know, this th- what this article kind of showed is that there's and, and this is not a negative. There, there's some ignorance out there. Right. And ignorance is not a bad thing. It's maybe something we contributed to. So. While that stuff, and this isn't the the stuff I really enjoy talking about, I just want to talk about wrestling and upcoming matches and what's going on in the sport. But I think on this occasion, I think it's important. So I'm excited to to talk about it. Um, so I'm just going to outline outline action, right? Things we have done, things that are tangible, okay? Um, and so there's a money side and there's a coverage side. So I want to start with money, okay? And the fact is that no media in wrestling has invested financially into the sport like Flow Wrestling has. Because we have a business that works, we're able to pay out a lot of money back to the wrestling ecosystem. Flow Wrestling has paid out hundreds of thousands of dollars to wrestlers and coaches 
for matches, for technique, and for content. Okay, we're able to pay out um, hundreds of thousands of dollars at Flow Wrestling. We're looking to have a, another six-figure payout on July 25th. Okay, and as you know, there's three matches on that card right now, um, so you can do the math there. And we're gonna look, and the the whole goal is to do it again afterwards and make that repeatable, so we're continually. Um, paying athletes to wrestle, right? Flow Wrestling has paid millions to wrestling tournament directors, to wrestling events rights holders. These are people that decide, hey, my event is good, and I would like more people to be able to watch it. And they want to partner with us. And the way that works is Flow Wrestling, Flow Sports, pays the wrestling tournament director, the wrestling events rights holder, money so that we can stream it. Okay, and we've been able to pay out millions and millions of dollars to people who are running wrestling events. Um, over the last few years, we started a, a program called Hometown Heroes that gives back to the best coaches in our communities. This is a flow wrestling and flow sports thing. And this is not the Kale Sanderson, the Tom Brands, and John Smith best coaches. These are the best club coaches, these are the, the people that are leaders in the community, the leaders that, that are helping kids, that are helping use wrestling to save lives. We paid out $120,000 through Hometown Heroes. And, and, and one of the many reasons I'm proud to be here is that in the middle of a, a global pandemic with an economic shutdown, okay, for a live streaming events company that's had no events for three months plus, our CEO still felt it was important enough to have the Hometown Heroes program this year in wrestling and has committed over $30,000 to support wrestling coaches, okay? That, to me, is, is inspiring. And where, while so many companies are having layoffs and furloughs, that our CEO decides, hey, this is still really important and something we should do, that, that really fires me up and that, who would support the Flow Wrestling team like that because it's something we're really excited about, right? Mike Ironman won it last year, and there have been other very deserving coaches that have gotten this, this, this money in the past. And it's a worthwhile cause, as is Beat the Streets, right? Beat the Streets. Um, Flow Wrestling donated $63,000 to Beat the Streets a few weeks ago, right? Not out of a rights fee, but because just a donation because it's an, an event we support and think should be supported and want to get behind, right? We believe in Beat the Streets. So that's that's one way, that's some of the ways where I think our contributions are maybe not considered, right? And I'm happy to talk about those things because I'm really proud of them. And there's an inaccuracy that Flow Wrestling only covers events that we have live with the exception of NCAAs and the World Championships. That was one thing that was asserted in the article. And the fact is, Nobody covers wrestling as comprehensively and with the depth and breadth of flow wrestling. And this especially extends to events we do not live stream. Okay? We have sent personnel to dozens of different Division I schools and, and wrestling programs, none of which we had live events rights to. UNC, NC State, Virginia Tech, App State, Lock Haven, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Arkansas Little Rock, George Mason, Stanford, ODU, rest in peace, UVA, Pitt, Lock Haven, and more, right? More. And that doesn't mention the, uh, the dozens of schools we've gone to that we do happen to be able to live stream, right? The Bader Show um, 
has had 75 episodes, 300 guests. Not a single one of them had anything to do with a live event that, that we were going to be streaming. And this ranges the entire pale of, of the wrestling community. D2, NAIA, MMA, men's freestyle, women's freestyle, Greco, Division One, from almost every conference, right? And so, the, and, and none of those episodes had anything to do with live streaming. I mean, that's one of our biggest shows. That's, you know, the face of Flow Wrestling is, is Mark Bader, right? Uh, one of the most respected people in the sport uh, and, and someone I, you know, that I admire. And that's his show. And that's his guest. And that's his platform. So it's very comprehensive in that way. And I think a, a great, a shining example of this was freaking in mid-March when all hell was breaking loose in the world. There was an event called the Pan Am Olympic Games Qualifier in Toronto, Canada. And we didn't have this event live, but the wrestling nomad freaking went and covered the heck out of this tournament, okay? And we said, nomad, you maybe shouldn't go. You don't have to go. It's probably not a good idea. And he went because like nomad and like so many people here at Flow Wrestling, the dude just loves wrestling and wants, wants to cover it. And knows that people are going to look to Flow Wrestling for that coverage. Okay? You know, and we do send teams overseas to cover. So, yeah, do we cover Worlds and NCAAs big? Yeah, we do. And do we have those live? No. But there's, it's not just an investment in the time we spend covering. We're sending teams overseas to Krasnyarsk, Russia, Nursultan, Kazakhstan, Tashkent, Uzbekistan, Paris, right? This, this is not cheap to send teams of people, not just a person, but a team. Okay? tens of thousands of dollars to go cover this event that we don't have live because we think it's important. On, on the written side, our, our coverage is, is extremely expansive. We, had, we ranked every single Division I conference despite the fact that we only have two of those live, Big Tens and EIWAs, right? Um, and we had a freelance and we had written content about every single conference for many different schools. We had nine different high school state rankings, only one of which, which we had live. We ranked Russian nationals. We ranked international. We had Division II rankings. Okay, So our, our written coverage is extremely comprehensive. And you know what? Regarding the rumble of the rooftop, which is the, basically was the precipitant for this article, in the weeks leading up, we had Mike Powell on the Bader Show. And when he was asked about, hey, what's going on in Beat the Streets Chicago? Coach Powell, a legend, uh, elected to not talk about the event. We had Brian Medlin and Mike Poeta on the show in the weeks leading up to it. They didn't mention it, right? We were at an Oklahoma uh, uh, camp. No, Nomad went. Mike went. Spay went. Interviewed several participants that were in the event. We had Nazar Kolchitsky on afterwards, right? Because he announced his retirement, which congratulations to Nazar. I haven't got to say that yet. Awesome dude. So our, our coverage is, is extremely comprehensive. So it is, it is inaccurate to say that we only focus on worlds and NCAs and only our events rights. And yeah, when we have events on our site, yeah, we blow them up. We do the best we possibly can do because we think that's how we're able to pay money to athletes and pay these rights fees to these um, events rights holders. Um, 
And, and I'm proud of our coverage because, to my knowledge, nobody in media has been able to give even a fraction financially back to wrestling like Flow Wrestling has. And I know for hey, certain... can yeah. I interrupt? Yeah. I, uh, you, you should be done, Christian. Uh, no need for this apology. You do a great job. F these people. Um, you know what one of Conor McGregor's greatest lines ever was? Yeah. Apologize not, for that. And I don't like... I'm not apologizing. I don't, I don't really like I'm not Conor. apologizing. Well, you sure sound like it. You it's not an apology. It's not an apology. I'm not sorry for anything. Good. All right. Let's let's get this show on. You should be uh, you should be apologizing for nothing, Christian. You do a great job. Flo does a great job. I'm sorry some people don't understand the business world. If they understood more business, they would understand why Flo did not cover Rumble on the rooftop. And listen, I guess I don't speak for Flo because I am an independent contractor, but we shouldn't. What we want to make our competition stronger? You guys, idiots. Like, come on, what, what, you think Ohio State's going to send uh, Travell to Iowa for three weeks during the middle of the season? Give me a break. Get out of here. Beat it. <laughs> All right, they, they, Ben Askren just ejected you. You've been ejected. Yes. All okay. I'm back. I'm back. I'm so excited to be back. Actually, I was, really, everything you outlined I was really excited was to be 100% gone. true. Yeah, I know. There's more true, too, Ben. You well, we need uh, <laughs> I apologize absolutely effing no one. That was such a great line. He got me. I'm like, dang, who's he going to apologize to? And then he said effing no one. I'm like, wow. That was that was outstanding. That was a great line. He nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not apologizing. You should start tomorrow's show. You should start tomorrow's show with that line, Christian. Yeah. Actually, guys, I've been thinking a lot and, you know, really upset some people. So I'm going to take some time to apologize to absolutely no one. Yeah. So not not sorry. Didn't say the word Good. sorry, Ben. Okay. All right, Good. interrupter. What do you want? Where are we going? No, we're talking about wrestling. I don't want to talk about business models. I understand the business model. Listen, we are giving competitors freaking a whole bunch of uh, promo time for free. Fight TV. If you want to pay us, we'll, we'll maybe we'll consider uh, promoting your product. If you're not going to pay us, get lost. How about yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, to me, that that part is obvious, but it's also it's just not true that we don't we didn't cover that event or that we don't cover events. It's like maybe they don't get the same well, treatment, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, they shouldn't expect to be promoted. They 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 need to, they need to pay the juice or get lost. One of the two. Otherwise, listen. Otherwise, build your own damn network that can promote wrestling events. How about what do you that? Know, you want to know what bugs me the most? What what actually did get under my skin is this grow the sport thing. The the words oh, grow the even, sport. Don't even get me started on that. Listen, I've went off do, you, do you want to know what grow the sport means? It's, it's unfortunate because the words grow the sport are actually it's actually a very novel goal. It's something that's good that we should strive for. But yeah. right now, in 2020 in wrestling, Grow the Sport has been weaponized. And it's this pouty yeah. tool of, I didn't get what I want, so I'll say these words, Grow the Sport, so that I can somehow guilt trip you into doing the things I want. And I've seen it across yeah. the pay. I'll say, you didn't make the rules I want. You don't want to grow the sport. You don't want to have a dual national championship. You don't want to grow the sport. You didn't cover the thing I want the exact way I want. You don't want to grow the sport. I was at CKLV one year, Ben, and very literally, yeah. a coach saw a call he didn't like with a ref, He and he was yelling at the ref. He's like, this is why the yeah, sport this can't grow. Thing. 
This is why the sport so can't dumb. grow. It wasn't even stalling related. It was just like a bad call. He's like, this is why a sport can't grow. So everyone yeah. uses it to get the thing they want, right? As some sort of manipulation. And the other reason I don't like the words grow the sport because to me it comes from a place of when you actually think about it, such arrogance because it implies that you know exactly how to grow the sport, which imagine which if you don't, because if you did, you'd have a business. Right. And, and even, and I'm not saying I know exactly how the sport is grown. I think I have some, some idea. I think I, I get to think about this every day, but a yeah. lot of other people, they just, they just use those words as a, a as manipulation and I won't be yeah. manipulated, right? I won't be guilt tripped into something because you think it grows a sport. I get particularly irked when people said that. And I've said this piece before. Um, <clears throat> I would, I challenge anyone. I hear a lot of, they say it all the time. They say it all the time. I challenge anyone to find me saying those words other than to knock them either on Twitter or on this show or on who's number one show or on beta show. I don't say it. It is not a term I use because it means a million things to a million people. You know what I think is a great way to grow the sport? Double the amount of kids in the sport. Retention at the youth level. More people that want to wrestle, that want to be participatory in our sport. Yeah. That's growing the sport. We grow the sport in our way, and I don't even like using that term. But we grow the sport in our way, which is giving money to people in the sport, yeah. which is a very cool. valuable thing. And, and everyone is, is really good at spending other people's money. Like everyone has a lot of fun doing that, but it's like, man, they don't understand business. Listen, when I got, when I started in 2013, I made the third content person. It was Bader, Willie, and me, right? And now we have eight full-time content creators, right? And 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 I think I think back, like, you know, th there have been some hard times at Flow, and the, we are expected to be good stewards of the resources we have. Right. And to deploy those resources strategically and appropriately. And years ago, we had we weren't as good financial stewards at the flow leadership was not good stewards financially. We had to have two different rounds of layoffs here at flow. And, and fortunately, flow wrestling was not um, hugely impacted by that. But, but we were right. And that was a huge that was a reminder to me of, of what is true. If, if the business doesn't work. We don't work, right? And we've got we've got a big team, right? The biggest in the company. We have three digital marketers. We have dozens of agnostic flow wrestling work people, like production people that do live events and others, right? And these are people with families and mortgages and rents to consider, right? And so I take that responsibility and everyone else takes that responsibility very, very heavily, right? That is important that the business is working. So that's why it, it really fires me up to, to talk about it. So, you know, Flo's desire is to help our sports. And if the charge from that article is, is actions, not words, then uh, that's why I sleep really well at night because I feel great about our actions. Thank you for attending my oh. TED Talk. <laughs> All right, let's talk about wrestling. Have, have so, you, have you listened biggest... to any of the interviews yet, Ben? Dake, uh, uh, Downey. I, li I listened to a few. I did not listen to them in their entirety. But, yeah, let's talk about those. You, you had some fun last week. You got to talk to Frank Chimizo, mm. uh, Pat Downey, Kyle yes. Dake, and David Taylor. Rank them from one to four on most fun interview to least fun interview. 
Oh, come on. That's a setup. Do it. Do it. Don't be scared, homie. Uh, No. Okay. So, Pat Downey. Come on. Come on. Pat Downey is fun because I just feel like I can ask him anything. And it's, uh, it's fun. And I actually, that one was really fun because I asked him about, uh, since you're coming to the event, I was like, listen. I heard it. (laughs) Did you hear? Did you hear the Uh, clip? Someone told me on the. Oh, no, I didn't hear the clip. Someone told me on the show. I can't I remember know. on the show. I, didn't, I don't know if we have the clip, but... Um, no man oh. told me or something? Nope. We don't have it. So what? we'll, we'll have Hand it tomorrow. Up, that's on me. But I was like, uh, I was like, Pat, I like... And Ben, you may not like I said, I like Pat Downey. I like Ben Askren. You guys yeah. don't like each other. I I propose an, an intervention, a mediation. I want to lead it. I want you two to sit down... And, you know, maybe squash it, maybe not squash it, but at least try to squash it. Because I actually think you, you, if you only read. I don't Twitter, even know what our beef is, Christian. I don't even know. Well, you, well he doesn't either. We That's the thing. Okay. He doesn't know and you don't know, but y'all are coming at each other's well, necks on Twitter. This dipshit gets on Twitter and says he's in Wisconsin and wants to come fight me. Of course I'm going to make fun of him. Like, duh. Am I not going to make fun of him on that one? When did he say he, he wanted he to fight be, you? Oh, oh, this is on multiple occasions. And then uh, and then on top of that, he said uh, he was going to win a world title out of the box. Am I not? That's great material. Am I not going to use that material against him? Of course I am. Of course. So I think, um, yes. man, Twitter Pat Downey versus person Pat Downey, they're very, I, uh, I find them to be very different people. So I think, sure, but, I think yeah. you would maybe enjoy each other's love- company. Well, you have to put together a list of like what we're even gonna talk about because I, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll just have a conversation and we'll record that and see where it goes, and that could, that could be fun enough in and of itself. That could probably be enough fun. I think it's. I think it'll be fun because I think you're both actually um, fun people. So no, I really like the Downey yeah. one. Um, you know, talking to David Taylor about you know, <laughs> I because this is a, it was the first time I don't I don't get to interview these guys very much. David and Dake. I can't remember. I don't think I've got to interview David Taylor since 2015, like October or September of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like five years. Dake, I can't remember. Uh, maybe maybe around the Round Rock thing, but I don't think I did. So, uh, you know, when you get your opportunities, I've, I've, had, I've had a log of questions that I've been wanting to ask <laughs> these guys for a while and, you know the, the kyle dake one was like an hour long right but i had a lot of i had a lot of questions and he he didn't shy away from anything i was asking about jordan burroughs uh pat downey didn't shy away from me kind of confronting his allegations against david taylor which i find ridiculous um did, uh, wait, wait, did you ask kyle dake how he's getting younger yeah i asked well yeah, we we talked about that and, and how he's getting younger and what he what he means when he says well, that he's getting younger every day, right? Um, what does he mean? I'm curious. Give give us, give us a little little. Well, the, the the gist of it is he's he's living um, when he compares how he lives and how he trains now versus the way it was 2013 or 2016. He feels better. He feels younger than he did when he was wrestling in 2013, 14, and 15. And in his own mm. words, it's a little better. Okay. But but he was his diet was bad. He was sore all the time. The way he was training made his body feel terrible. And he's yeah he sure. values different things now in his training and his lifestyle. And for that reason, yeah. he does feel like he's getting younger. And he and they <laughs> juxtapose that with 
you know, this is Kyle's belief. Whether you believe it or not doesn't is immaterial because he believes it. Like Jordan, Jordan Burroughs, he sees what Jordan does, right? And now Jordan lives what I think is a very clean life, but he thinks like the, the diet and sp- specifically how Jordan trains is like very um, harmful to him. Right, and he thinks how well, most okay, people I, I, train I, I, is harmful. Then, and I asked him to elaborate yeah. about that. Like, what? What you talked about stretching after practices is like he and others, basically everyone else, values different things that I don't think you should value. Basically, yeah. well, okay. Of, so this is where this is where I'm gonna. I, I, so I, I talked to Dave after after I surprised him. I, I was curious. You didn't surprise him. So you I, surprised Jordan. Uh, that, that's what I meant. I meant surprise yeah. you and Jordan. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> um, so I kind of asked, <laughs> remember when we did that and we had two of the greatest wrestlers in the world arguing? That was so awesome. Um, <laughs> okay. So I got to compose myself. So remember when, uh, Chuckles. that happened, I, I, uh, I texted him afterwards. I was curious what he said. Cause I stretch a lot. I've always stretched a lot. And y'all, so I'm curious what this guy, I think Kyle Diggs is really smart. I want to hear what he has to say. And so, you know, he he told me to go listen to this guy, Naughty. Naughty was rough to listen to, bro. I listened to maybe 10 hours of him on YouTube. It was... Um, <laughs> 10 hours? Man. Damn straight, I'm going to give the guy a chance. I'm open-minded. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to five minutes and say, okay, I'm done. I listened, I think I listened to six podcasts that are all roughly an hour and a half. So, okay, nine nine hours, okay? Um and you know the the thing I have a hard time with, and I was just I just gave a I was going to do a mental Monday on this yesterday, and then I am talking to my athletes about. It, but e- ego is your enemy, right? And so you don't mm-hmm. want to always think my way is right, their way is wrong. You don't ever want to try to prove that. You always want to acknowledge what reality is. And like so, when Kyle Dick says this, he can say this is working great for me. Okay, great. But how are you going to say Jordan Burrow's way is wrong? The man has won how many world titles and how many world medals? So you're going to say his way is wrong? Well, it doesn't look very wrong to me. He's got a whole bunch of world titles and world medals. Does not look wrong to me. Yeah. I mean, how, how can you argue that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not arguing that. I, I well, you're not. I'm saying how can, how can he yeah. argue that? Yeah. I don't know. Because I think at this level – well, I think I, – I, part of me wonders like how much it is you know, him planting a Bravado. seed of – yeah, yeah, planting a seed of doubt or so, or almost like it's almost like self-talk that this dude is on the way out, man. He's not training right. I'm training the best way and you just believe that every day. Confidence is is a drug, right? And it can it can be yeah. it can be powerful. And I I think Dake, I mean, who's who over the years has been more confident than Kyle Dake, right? I mean, that's that's a confident yeah. individual. So, I think there's something to I mean, there's definitely something to uh, each person's body is different, right? As far as like what what they yeah. need to train, what they need to work on, and so it's not as though Kyle is like completely off base saying, "This is what I need for my body. This is what Jordan maybe should need for his body." But yeah, I'm with you guys. I I think it is absolutely insane to say that what Jordan is doing is wrong, and especially because his long Jordan's longevity is greater than. So far. I mean, outside of Bruce. I mean, here, think about this, too. And this is something I say all the time. I know I'm like, whatever. I'm a Burroughs homer, maybe, whatever. But, like, this dude, the last two years, he's not losing because he's worse or old. He just had these inexplicable, (laughs) unprecedented 
you know, lapses of mental judgment in the last closing seconds to the world champion twice, right? He's winning but, the match. Yeah. So it's, he's not behind. Yeah. It's not like, oh, his time has passed him by. He just doesn't have any more. He's just, he made a weird mistake twice against the same guy. I don't view that as, I don't know. I just can't attribute that to age or training. I just attribute it to yeah. the guy has been clutch since 2011 and sometimes the the other side of the coin happens and it did twice in the worst possible time otherwise we're looking yeah. at him with seven and if you're looking at if you're looking at yeah. blaming it for age if you do want to take that tact yeah. okay well he's also winning medals at an age that most guys don't are retired don't, or yeah. if they are still competing sure as hell aren't making teams and like yes. if, if yeah, it, I mean, go ahead ben yeah that, that's just the long and short of it so it's like you know, I, listen, Kyle Dake could say my way is great. That That's fine because his way is obviously great. He's won the last obviously. two world titles, right? Obviously. But then he could also say Jordan Burroughs' way is great, right? Yeah. And we're going to find out which athlete is better. But even within even within that competition, whoever wins, Kyle or Jordan, and I think both guys could win, that doesn't necessarily mean their way is better. That just means they won, right? It's like – does that mean every single time an Iowa guy beats a Penn State guy, the Iowa way is better, and every time Penn State beats Iowa, the Penn State way is better? No, right? Now, maybe over the course of time, you're going to find out one system probably has a little more success, but even saying that we can say without a shadow of doubt over the last decade, Penn State is more successful than Iowa, which would mean their way is a little better, but does that mean Iowa's way is wrong? Because it's worked for some guys, for sure, right? And so there's this whole... Um, you know, my way is right, your way is wrong. I just that mentality drives me crazy, and especially when it's uh, one person versus the other person, I think that's a very hard. Uh, you can't say one way is right off one data point. It's impossible. Very true, and you know what I would like. So, so yeah, the Dake interview was really fascinating because, well, I forget, I forget what made me want to ask this question, but someone said something like, you know, Dake's not really, doesn't really have a coach per se, right? There's not, he doesn't have someone that's like, all right, Kyle, you know, get a warm up going to, he, he does not have, a, he is running his training very, he, basically 90% of it. The, the rest of it is not being, my understanding from the interview is like, it's not through a wrestling coach, it's through this, this, I think a functional patterns guy that's like, giving him stuff. So very little, I think, is coming from the Cornell staff, which is like I, something I didn't know. I mean, they corner him in matches, but he is running his tra- his wrestling trainings, which I found yeah. very interesting. And I asked him, like, do you have a coach? He's like, basically, no. And then I asked him, like, does anyone else in America train like that? Is is that an outlier? He's like, Without yeah, a coach? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no. Well, I was- he's like, pretty much I'm like the only one that does this. Man, I would say, I mean, listen, I'm not, I, I was, I trained with Burroughs for four days, right, in Lincoln. Now, I don't want to say, you know, Brian Snyder and Mark Mank didn't help him, but at the end of the day, Jordan Burroughs is making decisions for Jordan Burroughs. Um, and does he, does he listen? Does he have, it's like, I would consider them like consultants at that point, right? Yes. When, when you're that, because when you're that good, you know, how many people are really way more knowledgeable than you? And the answer is not that many. And does that mean you shouldn't have consultants? And No, you should, right? You should. Have people you bounce ideas off of. Hey, Coach right. Manning. Hey, Coach Turner. What do you think about this? Or, hey, I trust you to put this training program together. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, if Snyder put in something and Bros is like, what is this? Right? 
Jordan Burroughs is going to make the call and say, nah, I'm, I'm not, I, let, let's rewrite this training program. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of those guys who are on the very highest of levels are, I don't want to say they're totally the boss, but they're, they're definitely calling the shots. And that, that would go for fighting also. And sometimes, that definitely goes for fighting. And sometimes in fighting, when a guy gets rich and famous, right? Because in, in, in fighting, they make more money than in wrestling they start making the wrong decisions because working hard is hard. And sometimes mm-hmm. working hard is not, although it is what you should do, it is not what you want to do, right? And then when a fighter has enough money and he's paying the coaches, he's essentially, you know, he is the guider, you know, the guider of the path and the other guy is a consultant. Now, do they make the wrong call sometimes? Of course, but they kind of are their own coaches. Some of, some of them do a great job at it um, and some do a terrible job at it. Yeah. Can I get back to the age, age thing real quick? Because I, I went back to the, that article I did, How Far at College. Um, so Bur- this would have been Burrow's ninth year out of college. If you look at nine years out or more, that's only 4% of the world and Olympic teamers in men's freestyle since 1997. Are, are, are what do you say, are nine are, years are out or more? Nine or more years out of college, which obviously everyone's age is kind of different, yeah. but that puts you that definitely puts you over 30. Yes. So for Burroughs to do yeah. what he's doing is – not unprecedented, but extremely rare. Yes, agreed. So that's why again, Kyle Dake saying his way is wrong is is kind of insane to me. Listen, I love that I love that Kyle Dake has a lot of faith in the way he's doing things, and it's obviously working for him very very well. Um, but him saying Jordan Bros is wrong is that that, one, that that one's crazy to me. He also um, he's pretty confident he's going to blow out Frank Chimizo. He's like. He watches. Really? Uh, yeah. He he's like he's like everyone watches this guy and talks uh, talks. Yeah, he's got this weird style. He's like all I see is m- m- he makes all these huge mistakes, right? And just no one makes him pay for it. And I because well, they don't commit to making him pay for it. But if you commit, you, he'll pay. And that's what I'm going to do, July 25th. Basically. Man, I, that's another one where I say Kyle Dake. Maybe Kyle Dake can make him pay. That's definitely a possibility. Because listen, how many people in the whole world, any weight class, right, are on the level of Kyle Dake? And the answer is probably in freestyle wrestling, we'll say 20 or under. But I'd probably say it's even a smaller number than that. So how many people can actually make Frank Chimizo pay for these mistakes? And the answer is, well, not that damn many. Yeah. It's also a little different because – I do think it is a better matchup for Dake than for Jordan. And Jordan is 4-1 and one against the dude. And the one was very controversial. He should not. That match was called so stupid. You know I'm what I mean? Still... So, so JB is like. Joe Burrow is undefeated against Frank Chimizo. I'm declaring it. Right. And that was, I think that was criteria. So, like, he's never been. So, there's all these things. That, there's always data points that Jordan is unquestionably better than Chimizo. And I think matchup-wise, Dake matches up with him a little better. Tell me why, friend. Uh, I think the <laughs> – I, I just I just think the, the upper body stuff, you know, between chest wraps and, and head pinches and, yeah. and body lock stuff, I think that plays a little better into negating what makes Chimizo tough as opposed to Burroughs, which is very leg attack heavy. Right, so Burroughs yeah. to score has to go right into Chimizo's wheelhouse. Right, and Burroughs still – Beats gets him. it done repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Chimizo is very confident. He is also going to win. 
Um, that's great. That means we should get a good match. But and the best part is they're going to wrestle, <laughs> so that's neat. Oh, yes, Chimizo is awesome. I mean, I I like being around that guy. I mean, he the if you follow him on social media, that kind of energy, just a fun guy, but serious about his craft. That's Frank Chimizo. Um, he's that dude is special. He's really really good. Um, I mean he's 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 uh. Yeah, he's my favorite international wrestler in in the world, right? He's not my American. Favorite. Yeah, not American. American. Right? Yeah, by far. And he has been since 2015. Really? By far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who's my second? I don't like watching Sajalayev. I don't find Sajalayev. him. Yeah, he's not. Um, why would he be fun Yaz to watch? Yazdain yeah, Shirati. Yazdain Shirati. I like him, but, you know, okay. it's like the, the element of – the element – well, one, I like – because I like – how much he wrestles, how much he competes. I love the – I don't know what he's going to do. I know what Yazdana Chirati is going to do, okay? <laughs> Everyone knows what he's going to do, very basically. There's there's some – I mean, honestly, my number two right now for entertainment value, who am I going to say? Uh, um, yes, uh, Muzakayev. <laughs> Stop. You know what? He's good, though. He's good. He's amazing. No He's, he's outstanding. Listen to this. Entertainment value, it's hard to argue. Kyle Dake said that he's modeling. He he uh, is trying to emulate, I think he said three different wrestlers, but the two I remember, he said Jaden Cox and Musakayev. He's like, I'm trying, there, there's things that they're doing. So, I, of course, obviously, I'm always trying to go a layer deeper. Sure. And they often don't want to go a layer deeper. And Kyle Dake did not want to elaborate on what do you see in. Jaden Cox, that you want to emulate, I found that very interesting, but he wouldn't say. Um, yeah, I mean that those first period, the first nine points that Musakaya put on Yanni, I, I go back to Yanni wasn't doing anything wrong, really. Musakaya was just that damn good. I mean, I was watching those exchanges, like, holy crap, what is happening right now? This is freaking outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with that in mind, I would like to know what. Cause I think we have a little better idea of, especially Ben, right, the way Jaden trains and the way he practices his body movements, which seem I, yeah. which seem like um, totally unique, which seem off the cuff, but by that all like yeah. everything points to it being trained. Like he he just works his body oh, that yeah. way. That would be that'd be another one where you know it's like Kyle Dick says he's the only who's his only coach. Like who's telling Jaden to do that stuff? Nobody. Hey, can you can you <laughs> no. slither around like a cobra and then shoot a high crotch? <laughs> let's let's try the cobra attack no, here real quick. He's doing get, that stuff himself. Get on the knee, then switch the knee, and then kind of glide around like you're almost floating, and it doesn't make sense. Do that one, Jay. Like that's him, and that's okay. So this yes. was like this was maybe my favorite because it makes me think of Jaden actually. Um, so I'm talking to Chimizo, and I'm like. Contrast the Cuban slash Russian style that you you were coached mm-hmm. under versus the American style, and it, it was so it was almost like I feel like the language barrier. Now he speaks English. He's he's improved so much. His English is actually good. But like he's like kind of searching for it. And in the the brevity in which he explained, he's like in Cuba they try to pull it out of you, right? In America mm-hmm. they take it and then try to put it inside of you so like basically there that he says his style is so unique because they're just trying to make him the best him they're not trying to put him into this american archetype of hand fight collar tie snap 
shoot, it's like they're just like observing him and then giving him things like, okay, this will work for you, right? And just trying to pull your style out of yourself. Yeah. And that's why no one wrestles yeah. like Frank Chimizo. And that's why if you look at Russia, it's you like there's no archetype there. Hey, wait, can I ask a can I ask a question on that real quick? Because I don't I don't know I don't know what the answer is. Is how many people are actually in the Cuban system, right? Because you know, is yeah. it is it five hundred? Is it a thousand? Is it fifty? Is it a hundred? Because that would make a difference, right? If I only had to coach six kids or something, that's definitely gonna make a difference amount of time I can spend with them. And you know, one thing I think as a club coach is like, yeah, is it fun to coach my best kids? Sure, it is, right? But at the same time, it's like I feel like I have a duty to coach everybody. And then on top of that, it's like even the kid who's two and thirty-two on JV who stinks. It's like if I can just get that kid to believe in himself, I I can right, have a big impact on his life. Yeah. And listen, by coaching all those kids, will it be a little more like we're doing this, 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 and this versus pulling it out of you essentially? Which and I, and I feel like I'm probably one of the more open wrestling coaches. I try to let kids do a little bit of what they want, but it's still like, especially at the lower levels, it's like. Do this, do this, do this, do this. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I so, like that point, Ben. Yeah. I, based on based on just thinking about what I've what I've seen as far as like Sarah Pilato brackets, what I've read about Cuban Nationals brackets, and then factoring in the developmental level, right? So cadets and juniors. You're right. It might be about 300 total. Men's, it's men's not a lot. Because I mean, usually when a kid when a guy makes a Cuban team, they're on there forever. Yeah. And you you don't see like a huge amount of people being recycled through as though there's people challenging them on a regular basis and knocking people off. It's almost like once you get that spot, and you know I saw you know what I, I kind of relate this to is the early Ultimate Fighter. If you look at Ultimate Fighter One, there was a whole bunch of those guys that became really really long time UFC guys. And was the answer was because they were better originally? And the answer is I don't think so. Although I can't prove it, it's because those guys were the guys who actually got the funding who could then go fight full-time, where most other guys were fighting you know, part-time and then had another job. But those guys who were on Tough One were able to actually have kind of a full-time fighting career, and therefore they got good. So in Cuba, when a guy makes a team, he can have a full-time wrestling career and then you know, be really good at it, whereas other people can't. So um, that, it's a good point about like, hey, how many actual Cuban wrestlers are there? Probably not as many. And also like, the way Frank was describing it, it's like your life is wrestling then. And how many kids yeah. – I mean, listen, there's kids that are very dedicated to wrestling, but how many are like government-controlled <laughs> their life is wrestling, right? Like you go to school yeah. and you wrestle and that's your focus, right? And there's there's no yes. option for deviating from that plan, right? So in yeah. that way, mm-hmm. you, you can see how you know that can really benefit you. But they also do have a, a really great system. And I think you point – there, there is a, um, I think there is a problem in coaching where the focus can be so easily for the coach to just focus on the best kids, right, and kind of ignore, but yeah. um, the two and thirty-two kids. Yeah. But you never know what that two and thirty-two kid can become with yeah. a little bit of, well, little bit of love. And who, and even if you can't become a great wrestler, I mean, I, I, t- I tell my other coaches all the time, even if you can't become a great wrestler. Can you change his life? And I, yeah. I know I can think of several kids right now that aren't very good in my club. And it's like if I can just get them to believe in themselves a little bit, that who cares? Maybe they'll win 20 matches on varsity instead of 10, right? But I can literally have an impact on their life. I can have a very vital impact on their life. And that, that's, you know, that's a, that is something that's important to me. Um, but then, yeah, obviously on the negative side, kind of like you said, as a coach, 
it is much easier from a lot of standpoints to say, I'm the coach, listen to me, rather than, and I'm sure that happens a lot at the college level, I know it does, or just go harder, then then take time to have an in-depth explanation and understanding of, of a process, uh, whether it's a training cycle or a move or a series of moves. It's much more easy to say, I'm the coach, listen to me, do it this way, do that, shut up, listen, do it, shut up, listen, then you know, to have a conversation. I was certainly fascinated at at the Pan Am Olympic qualifier that you mentioned. Like I was transfixed on um, Andre Ortega and Toby Air warming up together, and it didn't look any different. But you know, I would have to imagine that the the way the coach was speaking to them maybe had something to do with it. And by the, I mean, the Cuban coaches, as CP mentioned, are very well respected. You know, if you were to ask like Coach Zadek or any of the senior level guys, certainly well respected. And look, of course, Cubans have you know, holes just like everybody else, right? I would certainly be too defensive, but yeah, that you know, we should we should ask Etchemendia about the size of the system as well. How many kids are in it? That would be yeah, that would be really interesting. Because I also think I, I guess I've heard this about Rushy too, and I, I don't know it to be true for sure. But I mean, if we take how many wrestlers K through twelve were in America, I mean, ju- just high school high school wrestlers at two hundred forty four thousand, I believe, was the official number last year. I mean, we're probably talking relatively close to a million. Um, you know, maybe maybe somewhere between six hundred thousand and a million, and I've heard that you know both Russia and Iran are really small numbers, like uh, like in in the tens of thousands total. How about how about Cuba? One thing he talks about getting kicked off the Cuban national team for because he was like ten kilos over fifty five. He couldn't make fifty five anymore, <laughs> obviously. And they kicked him out in the streets for like two and a half years. Before he, I, did defected. you ask more about that? Like, was that his job, and then he could not get another job, or what was the deal? He basically was like, I was just living on the streets. I didn't have any money. I was like, uh, it was. Uh, I, I try. I just listened to the interview, but I tried to get get more out of that and couldn't really. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, probably not a really fun thing to talk about. He said at one point in the interview, he's <laughs> like, he's like, one time in the interview, he's like. You ask a lot of questions, bro. Because <laughs> I'm like, listen, I've never got to interview you, Frank. Well, I got yeah. you here. You're in the chair. You're three feet from me. I'm going to ask what's on my mind. While you're in the hot the, seat. Yeah. The the other thing that, I mean, sometimes, um, sometimes people who live it don't really think all that much about it, you know, and how, how interesting it really is to someone yeah. on the outside. And, you know, I was just telling someone about this reading a book. I was reading a I read a lot, obviously. I'm reading about something. It's like, you know, I wouldn't think of that as very interesting. And, like, for me, um, you know, we, it, we were doing a project on – I was talking about failures in my life. And, you know, one day I thought about – I thought about getting – you know, where I thought – I like, I never even thought about this as an interesting moment in my life or, like, um, you know, something that is, is notable. But it's, like, first period of the Olympic trials in the second match, I got thrown on my back by Tyrone Lewis. I came out – I singled, came up off it, got thrown on my back, and it's like – for me, it was like, okay, just get off my back and then keep wrestling. But, you know, like for a lot of people, it's like, well, you're in the Olympic trials finals. You're you're gonna, you're gonna about to make the Olympic team, and you got thrown on your back. Like, what do you do from there? You know, and to me, it was like, man, eh, that's uninteresting. It's like, well, what? I'm, I really don't have my choice. Get up and wrestle, right? But to other people, that could be a very interesting moment. So for Frank Chimizo, he might think, you know, either he's ashamed of or thinks those are unexciting. But to a lot of people, that's probably a fascinating piece of his story. Yeah, I think it's inspiring. To, to that point, yeah, absolutely. Ben. I was uh I did Gabe Dean's podcast earlier this this uh quarantine mm-hmm. 
and I said, how tired do you get of people asking about the Ed Ruth match? The uh-huh. the one that he won the scuffle. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's exhausting because they always ask the same question, which is, what was your mindset going <laughs> in? Yeah. And he's like, my mindset was, don't get pinned because the last time I wrestled this dude, he killed me. And he cross-faced Cradleman like a minute. <laughs> yeah. And from that, it evolved into, you know, him upsetting. That was a huge one. And then he's like, and they also forget that he beat me at the most important thing, which was NCAAs. I would have traded the scuffle win for the NCAA win a thousand times out of a thousand. Mm -hmm. That was a close match. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so I I think maybe if uh, if Frank can, you you guys should do a whole piece on Frank because he really is a treasure. He Um, is. But you're... If you can get him to think more deeply, I mean, the story is, is very, very, very fascinating. Um, you know what? One thing I wish I would have told you about is I, I've told you about the 2010 Cerro Pilato before, right? Yeah. Well, some of When them. he was a kid? Okay, well, he, he was a kid. I mean, he was, what, 16 or 17? He beat – I don't remember who the guy was, but there was a uh, – the, the main Cuban representative was the uh, 55 kilo, and Frank was a kid, and Frank beat him. And there was a, a literal riot happening in the arena. Now I did not see a gun like in um, Russia, like in Russia, but there was a whole bunch of fist fighting going on. Like this whole swath of crowd, I'm just standing there watching. Like, oh damn! Like we got like a hundred people up here fighting over this match, and that would be really interesting. Like, here's perspective on why people were fighting, why people were upset. Like, you know, this was obviously the incumbent guy at that spot, and now Frank beats him as a kid. That would be really fascinating to hear him talk about that. Yes. I'm I'm all in on yeah. Frank Chimizo Cuba stories. Yeah, I think if we're gonna do that, yeah. uh, translator would definitely be the way to go. That way he can say it yes. like as completely as possible. Yeah, yeah, right. I agree. So he he wouldn't be thinking of how to say it in English. He would just be speaking. I think we would definitely need some type of translator. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, Ben Askren, don't drink too much of that. Whatever you're pouring. Well, I so, did. You know what? I do. I do. I do breaks from coffee sometimes. Um, I did a four-day break from any any type of caffeine. I didn't really feel all that much of a difference. Some people say they have you know severe withdrawals when they come off caffeine. I didn't really feel it at all. Um, what aren't you I'm immune back. to, Ben? I mean, you everything. Uh, I don't get sick. I don't have body odor. <laughs> I don't get sick. I stop. No body odor. I can just you know quit caffeine, cold turkey, no impact. You really are no impact. Truly a caveman. <laughs> you have you have yeah, intense I mean, my, I, it, blood. It, it, it annoys my wife that like nothing impacts me all, all that much. Well, that's good. Definitely Maybe some it. of it's my. Yeah. I do get if I don't have coffee in the morning, I will have a headache by like. You should you should go on a you should go on a break, Kirsten. I have no you know, interest three in days, that. Four days. I like I like coffee. I'm fine. Spay is the worst. <laughs> no, no interest. <laughs> no interest. Why would I do that? I like coffee. It's a great part. The best part of waking up. It's not Folgers, but it's it's coffee. It's not the best part okay. of waking up. Now that I think about Fair it, enough. it's not the best part. But it's up there. Yeah. Hey, well, okay, I think we have a video. Um, we got a lot Uh-oh. of heat on this trip. And we had two freaking gangsters on the road with us, Sean and David. They are like some of the best in the business. Any business. Anyways, they, they shot some fire, edited some. So let's show this little chimizo. I don't even know what it is. It's only Do 11 seconds. Do you watch seconds. a lot of film? Do you watch a lot of wrestling outside of your own matches? Nah, bro. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that was the, we hype, want... the hype piece, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that's a funny one too. Didn't we watch this last week, no man? Yeah, we, we did. Watch that. I thought we. Yeah, I thought, I awesome. thought it was like the. Uh, there's a really cool hype video 
but I thought it was that, but okay. it wasn't that. That's I, okay. I've said Tyler. No, you can't, dude. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, he doesn't watch film. Nah, bro. Nah. Okay. Next up, what do we want to talk about? Hey, Dago. Well, yeah, let's see. We talk. Snotty ain't you didn't really talk. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You didn't really talk about Taylor's interview that much either. We talked a lot about Frank and a lot about Kyle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, a yeah. little bit about, but not that much about David. Do you, do you want to just get to that tomorrow? Because we still have. Okay. It's, it's nine. Well, it's nine oh six. Um, we still have eighteen days to the event, Ben. Oh, baby. We can probably talk hey, about what, it tomorrow, and it'll be what okay. What day are you arriving, Ben? Do you Sorry. know? Do you know what day uh, you're arriving? More, early on the 23rd, I think. Okay, cool. I believe. Yeah. Most of the athletes get in on the 22nd. Yes. So. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right, excited for that time. Hey, you uh, guys got what kind of laws you got there? You guys got like mandatory uh, mask laws or like, you know, should I be prepared? What should I know? You should have a mask. Mm-hmm. I should have a mask. Will I be, okay, will I be able to go eat at a restaurant or no? Currently, yes. Okay, currently yes, but we do yes. not know the future holds for us. No one knows what the future are, holds. Are the taco stands open? Because that's—I I don't even need to go sit at a restaurant. I really just want to go to a whole bunch of taco stands. Have you been to Taco Lady? <laughs> There's a the the. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Taco awesome. Lady's great. She is. She is awesome. Ben, um, we're in East Austin. This community is like sixty percent taco stands. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's over, awesome. All been there. Been it's to a lot of them. Yeah, Ben's been here. Come on, dude. Come on. Yeah, like, ten, ten times. Yeah, okay. Torchy Tacos, that's a good one. You ever been there? You know what? Uh, many times, my wife loves oh, it. Oh, you think I it's overrated? It's highly overrated. Highly overrated. <laughs> I do. I like it. It's fine. But I'd rather go to just like a Papa Joe's or something like that. Well, I do like me some Papa Joe's. Papa Joe's, one in a million. But yeah. Oh, God. One in a million is good. The, the worst thing that Flow Sports has ever done. I know. His switch from GD one in a million to Taco Deli. We used to. You get talk the, about overrated Taco Deli. Taco Deli is not even. Is it even a Texas thing? So we had the be- well, most authentic breakfast tacos, and like one person complained about that we had one in a million. So now we have Taco Deli. They're vastly inferior. Um, one in a million is amazing. So good. Anyways, <laughs> the lines on Sundays. Uh, oh my lord! You, you gotta get there it. at five in the morning to get a table. Five in the five in the morning just for a whiff of a tortilla. Anthony Ashfield's out. I saw him last week. He was wrestling. He looked great. What? Now he's injured. I don't know. I don't know what happened. What happened? I don't know what happened. He's injured. I didn't he injure didn't him. Give, he didn't give you like something, and he, he, or he wants you to keep it secret. I mean, I didn't ask for like you know an MRI photo or something. You know, it's like he says he's out. He's out. What am I going to do? Yeah, Argue yeah. with him? Mm-hmm. Tell him he's in. Got it. Uh, so Anthony Ashnault's out, and so now every wrestler that is 170 pounds or less is up in our mentions trying to get to wrestle Luke Pletcher. I had no idea so many people wanted to wrestle Luke Pletcher till today or yesterday. His tweet yesterday was amazing. It was funny. Um, yeah, send Tyler that tweet. You can pull it up. Shoot, some good. people over 170 pounds wants in. Jordan Oliver wants to wrestle Trish, him. It's like dang. Tristan Moran wants to wrestle him. Tristan Moran, I don't know who's lighter, <laughs> Tristan Moran or Jordan Oliver. Um, Tristan Moran said he's he's getting in shape. He said he's doing a lot, a lot of workouts, getting in shape, ready to rumble. We have some cool options. We're we're um, reaching out, trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Luke, keep training, brother. We're gonna get you a match, buddy. Hell uh, or high water. Yeah, dad gone right and. Uh, it was uh, fun. You know, Mickey Phillippe came with Luke and got to watch him train. Luke's, Luke is uh, 
you know, there, there are various levels of fitness um, that I observe, but Luca's Luca's ready to go, right? Luke's, Luke's in good nice. shape. Kyle Dake's in really good shape. <laughs> like, like, just standing there 10 feet and watching him practice with Gabe Dean, who is a uh, confirmed monster, I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is. Is he a monster? What's the difference between a monster and an alien? Because sometimes you guys confirm them as aliens. So aliens just do stuff that you don't even understand. Like so for I me, mean, like alien Jayden is Cox. the highest. Jaden Cox is an alien. <laughs> Kyle Dake's an alien. Jordan Bros yeah. is like the ex- Jordan Bros is the exhibit A alien. One worlds with a broken ankle, screws in the foot. Twenty eight days after that is alien confirmed. Um, so Gabe Dean's not an alien. He's a beast. All right, here we got the tweet. Oh wait, so is monster above or below beast? Um, th- those are a- adjacent to. Yeah. Uh, aliens here, monster, beast over here. Alien yeah. for me is number one. Yeah. If I call you an alien, you're Pantheon. Yeah. All right, show the tweet. Pantheon. Right. Luke Pletcher, I'm feeling like the pretty high school, uh, pretty girl in high school right now. Everyone wants just wants a chance. Flow Wrestling, let's get something set. They just want a chance. Luke's, Luke's a, that a was good, good guy. He's funny. Um, Okay. So we're working on that, getting a, getting a match for, for Luke Pletcher, who's now at Pitt, which is cool. A lot of people reach out. Yeah, so we're, we're on it. Thank you for your interest. Um, and if you're interested and you haven't reached out, you can let us know that too. Hey, who knows? U23, okay, so a couple other things. Um, yeah, this is awesome. Let's talk about this. Yeah, so nothing set in stone, not the dates, not the locations, but... U23 junior trials sometime in September, okay, early-ish September. Um, so that is awesome. We'll have those trials because there's looks like there's going to be a world championships for those things. And this is somewhat new. An Olympic weights open in October. Wait, an Olympic weights for, for the U.S.? I didn't hear this. For the United States of America, yes. We talked about it Wait. last week. We did on this show. Mm-hmm. Stop. Me, you, and JD. Are you sure? Yeah, we talked about I, the trials. I, Man, we didn't use the words I did. I, I just described it so much more eloquently that now it's interesting. I, I, yeah, I don't think that we did. I mean, maybe I was like, yeah, uh, you know, maybe I just we had did. a body here and I was somewhere else. Uh, but wait, so okay, because the UWW uh, the UWW said they may, not for sure, have a world championships in December in Serbia. Um, but I, so I find this to be both awesome and kind of really stupid at the same time, really stupid because they're not going to count any of this stuff for the Olympics or they'll be qualifying. And it's like, I was thinking about this two year thing. And it's just like, so they're counting the 2019 world for the 2000, for the 2021 Olympics. That two year gap is so gigantic. I don't know that it makes sense. So it's awesome that they're going to do it, but it's dumb that they're going to act like it didn't exist. Yeah. Well, I, that's an IOC mandate. UW doesn't really have yeah. control over that. It's an IOC Because that was dumb. all sports. They IOC said all sports, whoever's already qualified, that sticks. Yeah. Yeah. We can't defy the IOC. And these people. I'm just the, saying the that the was IOC, out of UW's control. You can trust the IOC. <laughs> they know what they're doing. These are good people. Uh, okay. So that would be awesome. And UWW kind of broke it down how we could have worlds in December and what those requirements are. And 
the the wrestling nomad Daniel Roy Lobdell Jr. is going to outline those. Yeah, so I did an article because as soon as it came out, people I knew people were going to be asking. Um, so the the things they said, I mean, the things they let out were wrestling wise, right? They said they'll be in contact with IOC and World Health Organization. So we don't know the exact like COVID procedures, but as far as the wrestling procedures and who needs to participate, uh, they said the competitions must include eight of the ten best ranked teams and a minimum of seventy percent participating countries based on prior year's athlete attendance. So Senior level men's freestyle. Who competed in uh, Nurseltan? That was 79 teams. So we need 55 nations or more to agree to compete uh, at this proposed world championships, which they outlined as uh, Belgrade, Serbia in December 12th to the 22nd. In particular, they need eight of the top 10. Eight of the top 10 being Russia, Kazakhstan, Iran, United States, Georgia, India, Azerbaijan, Turkey, Uzbekistan, and Japan. They need. at least eight of those ten, in addition to, or and f- at least fifty-five total nations. Cool. When you think about that, that feels hard, doesn't it? Yes, it do. I asked. Yeah. Uh, I was asking, you know, just kind of reading the temperature when we we're going to a different place. I was like, "Do you think there are gonna be worlds?" They're like, "No, no way, not gonna happen." I think. I think USA is pretty um, dubious of it <laughs> happening as well. I you think juniors and U23s are more likely than seniors. Well, yeah. Because with seniors, because yeah. we talked about this, seniors, it, met, it it screws up a lot of things, right? So, again, you have the – you have okay, there's a world championships that doesn't count for the Olympics, which, as you just said, feels what? odd. You have – Feels odd, yeah. If the world championships are held at the time they say they're going to hold them, which is December 12th through the 22nd, and then you go, okay, well, their plan is to basically have the same calendar that they wanted in 2020 for 2021. That kind of screws up a lot of people's periodization and also people who may want to stay down at their Olympic weights. So you would have an even more diluted non-Olympic yeah. weight potentially than, than last year when yeah. at least they still had time to, to regroup and do their nationals. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of things that I think could possibly prevent senior olds from, from happening um, obviously, I'd like to see him because I'd like to see wrestling. But there is a lot of barriers that could hold this up, whereas I don't think U23s and juniors have those same kind of things holding them up because I don't know how many of those guys are realistic, those athletes are realistic to make their uh, nation's Olympic team. Well, I'm going to write a letter yes. to the editor and see what I can do. So, Dear Abby. Yeah. So I'm going to try to make it happen. Um, very excited for at least the potential and at least hopefully some – Stuff going on domestically in addition to the events we have coming up July 25th, which is going to be a very exciting time. What's up, Chuckles? Well, okay, we, we don't need to get into this because we have no idea what's going to happen. But CP and I already got in a small argument about this yesterday. If the dead period oh, gets go. extended to January and UW, the plan is for UWW juniors and U23 trials to be Postress. in the same building – is it possible that college coaches wouldn't be allowed? A college coach brought that to my attention as a possibility based on current NCAA rules because the dead period limits in-person contact, like being in the same area, the same city, the same building as PSAs, prospective student-athletes, which UWW juniors would certainly have a lot of. I, and and my set, my, what I said was there's no way they would have U23s without the ability for college coaches to be there. So if they have to put it somewhere else, they'll do it. But there's no way we will have – my entire point was there's no way they will have U23 trials without college coaches. It would be crazy. No, it won't happen. It's not (laughs) happening. 
I know we're living in unprecedented times. We're not going to have U23s without college coaches. That makes no sense. So that's why we argue because I think it's ridiculous. But they may have to get creative with it because yeah. of the NCAAs. Yeah. Um, Could they have – I mean, they can have RTC coaches coach then, right? Because they're not technically employed by the NCAA. Right. Yeah, if you have an RTC. That's not a lot of teams, Ben. And a lot of teams – who's the RTC hmm. coach at, you know – most of these places are people on staff, right? The, the most likely sure, compromise true. is if the if the NCAA allows them to do it, would be they can only coach U twenty threes because they're basically no PSAs are doing U twenty threes. They're basically all college age kids. Yeah. And e- but even if you have guys that are UW junior eligible, which a lot of teams do because they have freshmen and sophomores, they cannot be with them. So that would have to be like yeah. their old high school club coach or their parents or if they did have an RTC coach, yeah. that would have to be the ones handling the – like you yeah. might be coaching, you know, I guess Keegan's not a good example. But yeah, yeah, like Keegan who is signed on to Mizzou, but because he'd be doing juniors, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean he'll, he'll be at Mizzou, right? He's moving in in August at some point. So, yeah. you know, obviously I could still coach him, but um, he, you know, he would be at Mizzou. So that I guess – the college coaches would be able to go coach him then. I'm saying the potential compromise because U23s will – I don't think we'll have any PSAs, whereas UWW juniors will. Yeah. So you go, okay, you can only yeah. coach U23s. You can't do anything with juniors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean that, that – yeah, I think both ways is dumb. Hopefully it just ends on uh, August 31st and we don't have to discuss it anymore. All right. Let's have some questions from friends. We have so many friends. Um, so many questions. Okay, Ryan Cleary. Iowa appears to be the landslide favorite to win oh NCAAs next year. If you took away Spencer's and Kimmer's points, do they still get it done? If not, who Why are we taking away their points? I don't know. <laughs> I guess he's just trying to create a scenario where Iowa doesn't win. I mean, I can see you arguing Spencer because he's going to do the Olympic thing maybe, but I don't. why, why, are, we talking, why are we taking away Kimmer's points? And I uh, think, yes, they are still the favorite without – well, I without, think it's just a hypothetical uh, discussion. Um, just trying to level up. Wow. What a friend you are to our friends. It, it, you have to be a truly transcendently dominant team and have to be so far ahead of second and third place to lose a – like, 05 Oklahoma State could have done this, right? The way everything shook out, they could have not had – an. Uh, they just plucked an NCAA champ off their roster. They still would have won. But not 40. Eight, 18 Penn State couldn't. Right, that's what, the, the yeah. vast majority yeah. of NCAA yeah. champion uh, NCAA team titleists. You couldn't take a champ off their roster and be like, "Yeah, they're good." Yeah, there's no way. Um, no, Especially I mean, two. who? Who? Uh, Michigan, Cornell, Penn State, Penn State. They all could, right? Oklahoma State's gonna yeah. be good next year. There's gonna be a lot of really good teams next year, hopefully. Yes. Um. Okay. This I Bailey Brown. Who will win in a seven-minute match? Ariel Helwani or Ben Askren so in flip-flops and jeans? Twenty-four hours post-hip surgery. I got to imagine it would be painful, but I got to imagine I could get it done fairly easily. You were just uh, all you need are your hands. I would just squat them down, choke them out, boom, they're done. Well, that's not exactly legal in wrestling, but all right. Yes, it is. They, they listen, listen. This is a dumb thing where they say like technically it's a little choke. Like if you know what you're doing, you can choke people from a, a wide variety of positions without the referee saying anything. And, and matter of fact, you probably should to make the move more effective. <laughs> really? Damn straight. Well, okay. So choke. Head pinch, cradle, 
uh, chin and, you know, like a snake. We call it the honey badger, that type of move. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of moves. Uh, defecator, choke him there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Defecator? <laughs> so you can't come up with a better oh. name than that? Was that like your well, I didn't name it. No, no, no. Did you uh, not no, have a name for that Nelson. move? Because Paul Collum, Paul Collum made the move. Uh, he was at Mizzou for a little bit. Um, he allegedly made some person poop himself, so he called the defecator. Whether he actually made the person poop himself or not, I did not, did not see this happen. So did I he actually make that. up the move? I don't know if I can conf- if I uh, if I'm gonna. That was who I. That was who I learned the move. From. Right. Right. Yes. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, except there's some things, but for the most part, there's nothing new. Okay, from Kyle Bracky Sweet Tooth. I don't know the answer to this, but I do have an example. How many four-time AAs have never made the NCAA semis, which means they had to win four blood round matches? Zach Sanders Whoa. did this. That's the only one I know of for sure. Really? Yes, four blood round wins. One of them against Trent Sprinkle, I'm pretty sure. He was like dead to rights and did the crazy Zach Sanders I wrestled so freaking hard, you can't stand up at the end and had to do like a – it's like he had a very Iowa style in terms of his pace. And like he would just kind of break guys. And he did that to sprinkle. He had some losable blood round matches that, that he won. Um, but I can't think of uh, – I mean just thinking of four-time All-Americans, most of them at least made the semis, right? Yeah. Um, so yes. I, that's the one. I'm sure there's probably others just – but I know Zach Sanders did that, and it's pretty freaking crazy. Yes. Sam Schmidt, top five Russians from the past decade. Oh, yeah. So this, we is a, to, this is a fun one. So we were supposed to do this last week, and we didn't end up getting to wow. it. Wow. Uh, Disrespecting Sam. Yeah, right? So the obvious number one is... Uh, Musakayev. <laughs> yeah, the obvious number one is... Sajulayev. Sajulayev. And then after that, it gets kind of interesting because, like, how do you count? Because Getsalov and Kudakov have these accolades, but how do you count them from, you know, prior to 2010? No, their heydays were, were prior. Th- this is what I came up with. Well, sort of. Besik won 11. two titles and made an Olympic finals in the last 10 years. Okay, that's... So, I, but so I, this is, what, this but, is what I came up with. Sajulayev, Romanov, Besik, Getsalov. And then Sargush or Sitikov, pick your poison there. Dang. Wouldn't it be easy to just put together a, you know, an Excel file of who scored the most, say, points at Worlds or something? You could, but for me, Romanov's two world title runs are insane. And also, all these guys have two also, titles anyway. He also won the Olympics. Yeah, well, the that's what I meant, the Olympics. So the one world there's title no Olympics. one who has more than two titles, Olympic and or Worlds, besides Sedulayev? Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, right? Wow. That's wild because Sage Live has how many? Five, six now? Because uh, Sargush's first was 09, so that's 14, thrown 15, out. 14, 15, 16, 18. Four. He only has four. No, he has five. Five, five. Five, five World and yeah, Olympic. Five. He has one silver, six total, yeah. six time finalist. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because you think of. I mean, shouldn't Gadisov be in there? He has one. He has only one. But he is multi medal, well, yes? Of course he is. How many does Rashidov have? One only or two? Uh, Rashidov would be Rashidov would be good. He has uh, two two world finals and a gold. Yeah, he's up there. Hmm. 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 So number and one, Sajulayev. How many medals did Sargush had? Two titles and how many medals? 
Uh, he had the two. So in this decade, gold in Moscow, gold in Tashkent, uh, bronze in London. Hmm. That's pretty good. I'll put him up there. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Because yeah, part of it for me is the weight too. Like I think Sidikov should be in the top three or four as well. Like uh, yeah. ahead of, I don't know who else was in there, but you the look at the weights he's won the last two years, right? And the guys he's had to beat to do that. Like he's had to beat yeah. Chimizo and Burroughs. That's, mm-hmm. that puts him up there for me. Yeah. So if you look at 2010, you also have Lebedev. I'll put him ahead of Sargush because I can't stand Sargush. Yeah. So if you look at since 2010, <laughs> you have uh, Lebedev and Aguyev both won two titles at the lightest weights. I don't consider either of them to be top five. Uh, Sabalov and Gdisov have one title. Uh, Goygoriev has a title, which definitely – he definitely is not top five. Uh, Kudakov, 2011 to 2012, as I said, gold, gold, silver. Kribanaliev has a title at non-Olympic weight. Uh, Gazi has a has two titles as well. I don't consider him – even though I love him, I don't consider him. And then uh, Bayev and Rashidov have one each. So I think I'm pretty close with Sajulayev, Romanov, Besik. Um, what about – Russians that don't wrestle for Russia, though, Nomad. How about that? How about that? Then you go. <laughs> how about that? Then you go. Goizimov. Yeah. Sharifov. But Actually, Sharifov. Oh boy, Sharifov. Sharifov has a he's he's has Dagestan, a list of right? hitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's there's a boatload of Russians that don't wrestle for Russia. True. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Sharifov is the number one. He's the only one. Kanchikashvili is a true Georgian, right? He's a true Georgian. So looking at former Russians that have titles, though, that's the thing. Aliyev is a true. Uh, he is a true they're not Jay. allowed to have titles. If they, if they, leave, exactly. if they leave Russia, they're not allowed to get titles. There's some kind of unspoken agreement there. Except it's not true. They do win. Who? Sharifov. That's the so only one. Beat? And that's been Russian? since 2012. Um, He's the last former Russian. Yeah, I don't there's know not he, a lot that win. I don't know if he beat one, but there there have been because I, I, I remember I had this argument with Nomad like a year ago, and I was able to point to quite a few examples of non-Russians really? beating Russians or place play outplacing Russians. The, the, I, I ran I ran it back since twenty like ten, and the only example that I could find or maybe, no it was twenty twelve. The only example I could find of a former Russian beating a current Russian. At Worlds or Olympics was when Makov lost to Zasiv in twenty twelve Olympics. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Ha- it does not happen very very frequently. It's well, very, and, it, and often it doesn't happen because these guys leave because they're not the number one guys. They're not as good. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So I I just don't think it's a. I don't think there's some. But obviously, agreement. like even at the NCAA level, Christian, you can think of a lot of guys who leave the program. Because they're not the starter, and then they go do better at another program. So I Bryce mean, Meredith, theoretically, right. that yeah, that would have to happen at the world level also, at least a couple times, unless there was some unspoken agreement that this is uh, this is not allowable. The sample size is really small, though, because you're it's only against one country, and you're at another country, and they have to hit. So it's there's not many it's, instances to. to it's like a to. dozen matches. Yeah, it's literally really that small. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. You so still, I would think it would be a little more Russia. because, well, there was there was I thought there was one thing where I saw where former Russians wrestled for like fourteen countries, 
um, at the last World Championship, something like that, right? 14 countries that you would think there would be some matchups with the Russian guy because the, the other thing is the Russian guy is always winning in the bracket, right? It's like one or, or two per relatively- year. Okay. All right. I would have thought it'd be a little more. So Sharifov, the last former Russian to win gold at the Olympics, uh, Aldatov for Ukraine, and Safarian for Armenia, the last former Russians to win world titles for other countries. Got it. Interesting. Um, okay. Next one. Pick for Usman versus Masvidal. Um, I think Usman's probably going to win. But, I do too. Uh, you know what? Usman is significantly more unlikable for me than than uh, than Masvidal is. Like, I know Masvidal uh, knocked me out, whatever. But like, I find him to be significantly less unlikable. Marty is like the one of the most unlikable people on planet Earth for me. He's uh, George is at least I find him authentic, right? Yes. Even though I yeah. really hated him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I think man, I think Usman's just a seemingly a better better fighter, right? Man, yeah. this is a potentially ignorant question, but I was talking with Bader about this yesterday. Is there any world in which you and Masvidal could be friends? Well, I mean, this is like the same thing as Pat Downey, like. Man, I haven't been in very many wrestling rooms where I wasn't friends with everybody, right? So if we were happened to be on the same team or something, like at Rufus, there was not one person I had beef with the entire time. At Mizzou, I don't think there was anyone I had beef with, right? I mean, when I'm in a wrestling room with someone, like generally I get along with everyone. I don't have issues. So I'm sure, you know, if Pat Downey and I were on the same team, we would have been friends. If George and I were on the same team, I'm sure we would have friends. I maybe even somehow could have been friends with Marty, potentially, I guess. Some alternative universe. I yeah, yes. I guess I worded that wrong. I meant like now, because I understand completely oh. not wanting to be friends with him, yeah. given the circumstances. But just yeah. you're tired now, so like you can probably think. I mean, I just don't think. Yeah, I mean, like I guess maybe if we were somehow put in a circumstance where we had to be friends, you know, we were on the same team or something. But I don't think that circumstance that will happen. happen for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how how would that happen? Like I live in Wisconsin. I'm not moving. You know, like. What what circumstances would we interact in? Well, eventually, eventually you're you're moving to Austin. Remember, some like twenty thirty range. We've talked about no twenty thirty. Like when I'm sixty, I'll probably have a you know a second home in uh, Austin or something. Okay. Well, we can we can work on <laughs> expediting cool. that um, for the winters. Yeah. Who do you want to win? I was thinking about this too. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, neither, really. I mean, I hope it's like, you know, double knockout. Can that happen? Uh, oh, it has wow. happened one time in previous history. Um, okay, on the, on the positive side, if Masvidal wins, we you know, Usman loses, so that would be good. <laughs> um, I guess that's better for me because I lost to, um, you know, two former champions or a former champion and a future champion. Um, so I guess that's good for me. If Usman wins, I get to see Masvidal lose, so that's good. Um, I just think it's so much cooler if Masvidal yeah. wins. It's like this dude takes a fight on a week's notice and beats the champ. That is just so much cooler, right? That's like I can get behind that. What He's is- like just down to fight. He just stays ready. Now, could he possibly be ready, ready to go? I don't know. Five. He might rounds? have been training though, guys, because you got to remember. I mean, the other thing here is I don't listen, and I don't know this for sure, but. He thought he was getting the fight for a long time until he out, until he overpriced himself, right? Which yeah. was wasn't all that long ago. I mean, maybe it was 
three to four weeks ago. So probably up to three to four weeks ago, he, he was in training for this fight. And then he outpriced himself, and they gave the fight to Gilbert Burns. And then lucky enough that he, for him, Gilbert Burns got sick, and he was put back in. So, you know, maybe he took those, say, two week, two to three weeks off of training. But before that, he was definitely training for this fight. Well, for the UFC, isn't this a way juicier fight anyways? Oh, yeah. Way, I mean, but, yeah, so they, listen, Dana, Dana, is, Dana is not a great person. He <laughs> – George wanted too much money, so Dana said, F you, we're going to go with Gilbert Burns because Gilbert Burns is not demanding anything. So that's that's who we're going to go with, hmm. right? Um, but this fight is way more. I mean, who cared about Gilbert Burns and Marty? And the answer is damn near almost nobody. Uh, I sure didn't. Yeah. So, yeah, this is way way juicier, but I'm sure George is getting paid a lot more than, than Gilbert was. Now, will I be watching this? Probably not because this could be on super late, but still, I'm yeah. more excited about it. I don't stay up that late. What are fighters' records? I mean, this is a rhetorical question. I know you guys don't know the exact number off the top of your head. But when guys take fights on short notice, it has to be a losing record, right? Title um, I guess title, we'll, we'll, we'll cut it to title fights. Title fights. I mean, I have Bisbing won on really short notice. He wasn't supposed to fight Luke Rockhold. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I imagine it would be poor, but. Yeah, probably not. Said, I know you guys don't know the exact number off the top of your heads. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Um, okay, Th- I bet this question will take up the rest of our time. Oh, since uh, it's from Joseph Floyd at Tropic Spaghetti. <laughs> I hope that's not some sort of disgusting reference that I just made. I hope that's just a silly Twitter handle. <laughs> since since <laughs> I just go, but you never gonna, know. I'm gonna g- Urban Dictionary Tropic Spaghetti. It's just gonna be the most vile thing ever. But uh, I'm coming at this from an ignorant point. Since, D- since David Taylor is the closest thing to Kale, who's the closest to Tom Brands and John Smith? I also mm, – I think Brett, Brett also Metcalf. a little closer to Kale. No. No. Okay. no Nolf okay. is, not, is not as close to Kale. I mean, the collar and ankle th- – I mean, this, listen, collar and ankle. I'm thinking mannerisms. Okay, well, we're not. All right. no, think about, no, think about wrestling. wrestling. Okay, okay, all right. I'm talking Nolf mannerisms. <laughs> Closest to Kale. I'll give you DT for wrestling. I, I don't even know if that I would agree with that, but more than anything, I think we're talking about wrestling, not, you know, okay, who wears a cool belt buckle like John Smith? I don't know. doesn't matter. It's like, who wrestled like John Smith? Who sounds the most like John Smith? Eric Guerrero. <sighs> Eric Guerrero, yeah. Um, uh, wrestling, while I, th- I think Metcalf for uh, Tom Brands, and I think that for Oklahoma State – John Smith has had a lot of people wrestle in his image. He teaches a very, very specific style, um, and I think a lot of those guys wrestle wrestle like that. Um, and I, I think you could pick, you know, Coleman Scott or Chris Pelton. There's a lot of guys who have a lot of similarities to John Smith. So, I, I mean, if you count Guerrero, I would consider him. But as far as like, yeah, a, we can count who, him. Who attacked below the knee? I think Coleman Jo. Honestly. The most approximate facsimile. Now he's not as successful. I think Cade Brock. That's that was the, the one most, I thought of last night. Is the most reminiscent. That's interesting. He doesn't win enough. You got to win enough to be style, stance, <laughs> elbow control, breakdown. You know how he how he gets how hit low his hips are. 
low level. I mean, this guy. This is what. This is why I which, love K. Brock. Which that one, but but Ben, that also, and I I understand the the like success thing, but it makes the yeah. most sense because K. Brock grew up in that room. He was Stillwater from yeah. the time he was born. He was Cowboy Wrestling Club at like five years old at Tulsa Nationals. Yeah, he's the yeah. only one that really got that experience for I don't know, twenty years, fifteen years. Sure. Double dang. Yeah. So. He, he, him, uh, I would say him, Coleman, Eric. Does Jo get involved? Is he? I a, don't think so. Man, really? I guess it's no, not I enough. Think... Not enough elbow stuff because he's got. He yeah. has some low level. I mean, I just think of the variety of offense. I think stance wise. Um, but also, there's a lot of. Uh, I think there's a lot of like Easton D11 influence in what he was doing. That he was kind of how he. I mean, obviously. Oklahoma State made better, but like when he got there, he was also pretty well formed. You know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he won his last NCAA title on Easton Shrug. <laughs> Easton Shrug. Man, they hit slide bys in Stillwater. They do. What are you talking about? Um, okay, now, who, Tom Brands, you think Metcalf, uh, unquestionably? Dude, I think DeSanto wrestles the most, <laughs> yeah. most out of control style. Like, just. Yeah. You I, want to talk about balls out? I think the Brands one's a lot harder than the John Smith one. Really, Com- I feel like I feel like Metcalf is just so like in that vein. Uh, DeSanto does the knee arm far leg so much with his. I, I don't remember either no. of the Brands ever doing. And you know the post high cross pull double stuff. That's like you know I see a lot of that in the Brands wrestling, and I see a lot of that in Brett Metcalf. Also, I thought Brands were more single leg guys. Yeah. I I didn't see a lot of really. You know, I. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch. That's my recollection. Of course, they're uh, a little before my time, but I've watched everything I could on YouTube. So I'm like, a lot of go-behinds, which honestly, I was probably Brent's yeah, number one well, takedown was his go-behind, mm-hmm. right? And at the end, that's just guys were just falling down. They were just running behind for both of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So and I think if we're going to make it about – so like DeSanto is to Tom Brands is like Cade Brock is to John Smith in terms of like maybe stylistically the most similar, but in terms of like, okay, for Tom Brands, it's Brent Metcalf. He imposed his will and, and mm-hmm. had success at a really high level. So for John Smith, you could yeah. say Coleman or you could say Chris Pendleton, Eric Carrera. Okay. Um, well, it didn't take up the whole time. Wait, did you have something? No, no, I just, yeah, just to finish it off, like success wise. So Eric had the best college. Was Eric the best college wrestler that John's coached three in terms of three titles? Three timer. Jo- Jordan was a three timer though too. Or no, he was a two timer. I keep yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Almost won. Sorry, Jordan. I mean, he's coached some legends. I Deeringer. Oh my gosh. Deeringer. D- Ringer's, straight, got, Ringer's gotta be his best college wrestler. Straight accomplishments yeah. in yeah. terms of like fewest losses and best golf score, it might be Ringer. He had yeah, three un- – no, two undefeated seasons. He had two undefeated seasons, a one-loss season, and then I think he had – when he was third, he had two losses. He lost to St. John twice. He had three losses. And he special. might have lost to – did he have a the random loss was, to Volrath? Maybe. He was something like 107-4 and four with 3-1-1-1. Yeah. He lost to J- James Volrath, I'm almost positive, at the scuffle one year. Mm-hmm. Um. But other than that, also Pat Smith doesn't count as someone John coached, even we, though he technically coached him. Even though he technically coached him, Pat Smith doesn't count according to Nomad, which is fine. Hmm. Um, okay, this is the last one from John Rafio Saperstein. <laughs> Funny show. 
at MWorthington157. The wake of 4th of July, what are some of your favorite moments in American wrestling history? This is the easiest question ever. When Snyder beats Edge July, what? that made my life. That was amazing. <laughs> Man, Burrows Helen, over Star- Helen winning. Burrows over Sargouche. Burrows, Sargouche. Yeah, I mean, good. Helen winning was insane. That was like... That was awesome. The saddest I ever remember flow wrestling was when Burroughs lost. So, um, in 16, that was uh, funeral levels of sadness. And so, for me, I would say Snyder Sedge Live just because it was the the team aspect. Yeah, we beat Russia. Right. Only because, you know, it came down to that match. Right. Whereas Jordan being Sargush. Amazing, Helen beating or Helen beating the goat and becoming the first women's Olympic gold medalist. Amazing, but those were like for those individuals beating Russia as a team. Yeah, I, and just well, also for me, right? That was my first mm-hmm. world championships. So I have an incredibly high opinion of Sedgley. Kyle Snyder's from Maryland. Like he was born the year the last time they like, there was all these things that just made it really special for me. Yeah, that was really dope. And awesome. I want Sag Alive to lose again. Someone beat Sag Alive, please. Tired of this. Jane Cox or Kyle Snyder. 2021, yeah. baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Peak when it matters most. Okay. Um, ben, do you have anything else before we depart? Um, tomorrow, you promised that we will talk about the David Taylor interviews. <laughs> yes, since you prohibited me from doing so today. No, I didn't. No, man didn't. No, Matt. I just think we got a lot of time. We can do one interview, long form interview per day, and get them all out. Don't don't try to pace me. (laughs) I I think you know. I think we should talk about sometime, Christian. I think we should talk about why Nomad ducked you in that full wrestling match. (laughs) Sure. All right. I ducked him. I ducked him. I'm not gonna wrestle. I'm not gonna wrestle on flow ever. I'm not gonna tear my shoulder (laughs) live studio live audience and have it have it for the world. His shoulder still like has problems, bro. I have a torn listen, labrum. I need to get surgery. Listen, no man, I need a new hip, and I got knocked down five seconds uh, in front of millions of people. It for, can't get for worse how than much that. money? Yeah, how much money? Though? Can't get worse you pay me that? I'll wrestle Christian right now. Yeah, get the check. Get the check, Ben. Everybody likes to hey. spend other people's money. Uh, yeah, Ben. <laughs> hey, no man, no Don't be a wimp. Look, everybody's got a price. <laughs> yeah, he's got a price. I ain't doing it for free. That's a good point. Pay the man. Pay him, Ben. You want to make it happen? Uh, Put some cheddar in this right. man's pockets. Yeah, that guy, I shut him up quick. So anytime yeah. he brings it up, yeah. you say, Ben, talk pay to, me. Uh, talk to Bulls, Talk to Bullsby. I read the check. <laughs> you, got, you got paid for your CTE. I ain't getting paid for my yeah. torn labor. Come ben doesn't have CTE. Uh, yeah, I didn't even get hit in the head. I got hit in the neck. Really? Was it the It was the neck? Well, I mean, I don't I don't remember. I, and, you know, some people said it was painful. I didn't feel shit. Um, so I, I don't know, but I, from what I can see, I think it hit me right here. That was the worst. I don't really, that was, that the, was the most, that was the worst sporting moment of my life ever. <laughs> it's so terrible. Gosh. Bader, yes. I, I've never seen a human fall out of themselves. I don't like, talk about me, and Bader, me and Bader are pretty close. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about something else. Yeah. Great show today, guys. <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs> thanks thanks ben That's thanks dan thanks tyler yeah. play us out we'll be back tomorrow we're not gonna talk about sad things sorry because there's happy things going yeah. on it's great Dude. things happening in wrestling as hard as it is thank you guys for listening 518 strong thank you for your support of flow wrestling couldn't do it without you guys that's for dang sure 
Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. Danny, Danny Roy Lobdell Jr. is going to be back. One more. One, One more, day. and then Bracky is maybe listening right now as we speak with uh, Sweet Hayden in the back and his lovely wife Olivia. They're making their way back to Austin, Texas, and we will welcome him with open arms, but we won't hug him because we can't. Free, it's a felony. So we won't commit a felony, uh, but yeah, we will continue to do the show. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow.